For nearly two years, all of us have been riveted regarding the personal health effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, with vaccines making a gradual return to in-person offices again a possibility. The question is, what is that probability and in what form will that happen? Also, it is a special dilemma when it comes to older adult workers. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. The topic was one of the focus presentations at the National Conference of the American Society on Aging. The effect of COVID-19 on older adult age workers 50-plus to their career and working direction post-pandemic. Already over 1.5 million have already made their decision as part of the great resignation that is currently occurring. However, for those when it's too early to retire, what's the workspace reality going to be for them? We were able to catch up with three participants of the workshop, Older Workers in COVID-19, Richard Eisenberg, Christopher Farrell, and Amy Goyer. We begin with Rich Eisenberg on the reshaping of the 50-plus workforce. I first want to talk about what we've seen in the pandemic in terms of when people are choosing to retire, um, and sometimes not by their choice, but maybe being forced into retirement. So there are some conflicting trends that are going on at the same time. The first is the trend to retiring earlier. So MetLife did a very interesting study called the Participant Retirement Survey. They talked to 600 full-time employees aged 56 to 75 who were nearing retirement and had 401ks. And they found a few different things going on. One was 12% of the boomers they surveyed said that the pandemic had accelerated when they planned to retire. And a third of them said it's because life is too short. Um, they basically felt like, you know, the pandemic was kind of a wake-up call to them that, you know, who knows how long we'll all be here, and I want to do some things while I still can, so I'm going to retire a little earlier than I planned to. Um, a quarter of them said that they want to retire earlier, or they are retiring earlier because they want to spend more time with their loved ones or have more free time. Um, and I would say, you know, I think this sort of it goes without saying, but those are people who, by and large, can afford to retire early, which is not true for many people. The next trend was retiring later. So this is the exact opposite, but it's also going on at the same time. So in the midlife survey, they found that 19% of boomers said they're delaying retirement because of the pandemic, about a third of them because they needed monthly income, about a fifth of them because the pandemic impacted their ability to save, about a seventh of them, one out of seven, needed to work to maintain their employer-offered health care for themselves and for their families. Um, so that's not too surprising, but there are quite a, a few people who are retiring later than they thought they would because they have to. Uh, and MetLife also found that the number one cause for financial stress and anxiety of employees today is the ability to retire as planned on schedule. Um, I also saw Art Bilger, who some of you may know with Working Nation, wrote a piece that was actually on Next Avenue in which he said, the pandemic is creating more challenges than opportunities for older workers, particularly low-income workers. And so I've told you a little bit about people retiring earlier than they planned, and I've told you about people retiring later than they planned. Now I'm going to tell you something that I think is going to surprise you, it really surprised me. This was a study by Hearts and Wallets. They're a great research firm about finances. What they found was that there is a big group of people, 11.5 million households under 55, who say that they aspire to retire by 55. 
Um, and frankly, I'm surprised because I guess what I would have thought that the pandemic would have basically not let anybody think that they could aspire to retire by 55. But in fact, many people say that they do. Um, of course, they don't know if they'll be able to. Nobody knows if they what, what it's going to be like when they get to the point where they want to retire. But that's what they hope to do. And one thing that actually made it seem more possible than I might have thought, maybe than you might have thought, is that a lot of these people who say they want to retire by 55 um, have no or little student debt and are spending less on housing than most people do. So they seem to be putting themselves in a good position to be able to retire by 55 as long as they have enough retirement savings. And I'm going to guess they're going to do some work in retirement. All of that said, many older workers have already retired in the pandemic. Um, there's something known as the labor force participation rate. And for that rate for those 55 and older fell from 40% in February 2020. In other words, 40% of people 55 and older were working in February 2020. Now it's down to 38% in February 2021. Doesn't sound like a huge difference, but the fact that it's gone down is significant. It's the loss of about one and a half million workers over 55. Another thing I want to mention, and this is also sad to the report, but true, is it's taking longer for the older unemployed to get hired. And that's usually the case, but it's particularly true right now. According to AARP, half of job seekers 55 and older are long-term unemployed. That means they've been out of work for six months or more. And the average length of unemployment for workers 55 to 65 was about 32 weeks in February 2021, or eight months. A year ago, it was 26 weeks. So that wasn't so great either, but it's worse now than it was a year ago. And by contrast, the average length of unemployment for workers of all ages is 27 weeks, so about six to seven months. For Amy Goyer, her focus centers upon the complexities of working and caregiving. Just a quickie background on some of the um, basic information about family caregivers. There's an estimated about 53 million family caregivers in uh, the U.S. caring for adults and children with special needs. You can break that down. About 48 million are caring for adults over the age of 18, and about 42 million are caring for adults over the age of 50. One of the most important things affecting this whole working caregiving thing is that we are now seeing caregivers in multiple generations. Um, we know that you know there's still 7% of the silent generation who are caregiving, but there are 34% of baby boomers and 29% of Gen Xers, which is a segment that has really grown. 23% of millennials, so one in four family caregivers is a millennial, and 6% of Gen Z. So these are largely people who are still working. In fact, um, we know that 61% are female, 39% are male. Um, on average, family caregivers spend about 24 hours a week caring, which as you know, is a part-time job, especially if you're working, it's another job on top of a job. Uh, but we know that many spend much more, uh, many more hours. When we drill down more to working family caregivers, six in 10 uh, are working. So we know approximately one in five U.S. employees is providing care for someone. Um, they they work at an average of 30, about 36 hours a week. And um, then if you add on top of that, that average of 24 hours of caregiving, you know, it starts to really add up to a lot of time. 54% um, are paid hourly. 
So these are people who probably have a lot less flexibility in their jobs. 39% are salaried and 15% are self-employed. We know that in terms of working caregivers, 67% are male. So a much larger proportion of male, 58% are female. So it, it skews a little bit more towards males who are working. Um, the age of working caregivers, 72% are between the ages of 18 and 49. So that goes back to our generational breakdown that um, we have the, the younger caregivers who are working, but 67% um, those ages 50 to 64 uh, who are family caregivers are working. So it's still really a very significant and 24% over the age of 65 are still holding down a job and caring for loved ones. We know that um, six in 10 caregivers report having experienced at least one impact or change to their employment situation as a result of caregiving, and that's before the pandemic. So as we jump into the pandemic then, we see additional stresses and concerns. Um, numerous studies have showed that family caregivers have had increased responsibilities during the pandemic. We also know there are a lot of new caregivers because of the pandemic, people who are taking their loved ones' groceries or uh, providing care because they don't want other people coming into the home to keep them safe. Um, you know, their, their older loved ones who are active are have become isolated, and so they are much more likely to be starting to, to develop other issues and other health problems are worrying about going to work and then going to care for their loved ones and keeping them safe. So that's added a whole nother layer of stress for working family caregivers. Um, they, they want to um, keep their loved ones safe. And so often they maybe would have been having caregivers come in the home and now they may not be wanting to do that. I, I worked full-time while caring for both of my parents and my sister long distance. And I had care paid caregivers that helped me. Um, I couldn't have done it without that, but I can imagine, and my parents have passed away now, but I can imagine how difficult a decision that would be to continue to have paid caregivers come in the home and, you know, weigh the risks of that with my need to work. Many of these caregivers are also educating their children at home. So they are dealing with their children who were e-learning, they're dealing with their loved ones that they're caring for, and they're working. Um, some have had to leave their jobs because of this. And women have been disproportionately affected. Uh, uh, according to the National Women's Law Center, 2.2 million women left the workforce between February and October of 2020. And, you know, when we look at that and the proportion of caregivers that are women um, and all of these issues melded together, we know that this has really been a disproportionate effect on them. The ARP did a study recently with S&P Global, and um, the, the survey was of 53 companies um, in the S&P 1200. Half of family caregivers in the survey said their responsibilities have increased since the pandemic. So another one of, of there's quite a few studies that are showing this. The good news is that the study found that COVID-19 helped kind of accelerate. It made more companies provide more flexible work options. And when we talk to family caregivers pre-pandemic, that's what they want the most is flexible work options. So in some ways, that's the good news. Many of them 
have were able now to work from home, telework, um, change their hours, have just have more flexibility with their work. But the concern is that this may be temporary, um, that it won't continue after the pandemic. Uh, here's here's kind of a breakdown of some of that. Forty eight percent of the companies began offering mental health and self care resources. Ninety six percent of those plan to continue that. That's really good news. 83% are offering telling, teleworking because of the pandemic, but only 38% plan to continue that after the pandemic. 56% offer flexible work hours. 59% plan to continue it, which is better than 38%, but it's still, you'd like to see that number be higher. Just 8% offer backup childcare or elder care, which is, again, one of the things that's extremely helpful for family caregivers because your plans are always falling down. Um, but about half of those plan to continue that, but it's, again, just 8%. Um, nearly 80% don't have any formal written policy about family caregivers. And I think that's really key because what we see is that these um, employers tend to put more store on parenting and they uh, put more of their, uh, their employee benefits and supports and, and, and resources into that. Um, Two thirds believe that supporting family caregivers supports the bottom line in the company, but 74% believe that supporting parents of children age five or younger leads to stronger financial results. So we, you know, one of the goals is to try to educate companies and help them see that these family caregivers are just as valuable and need those supports as well. And, and again, some ways the pandemic has really brought some good attention to this. I think that's part of, as Carrie's saying, what's the good news? That has really brought some attention to this matter. And I think there's a lot of hope that um, some of this will be here to stay. Some of the flexibility that really makes a family caregiver's life easier is going to be here to say, um, you know, again, some family caregivers have had opportunities to do for more flexibility that they never had before. So that's good. Um, in terms of support, uh, you know, the Family and Medical Leave Act, you may be familiar with, it, it only applies to certain organizations, a certain size, et cetera, et cetera, eligible employees. It's not for everyone, and it's not paid leave. But um, the uh, Families First Coronavirus Act did have a short term from April 2020 to December um, 2020. It did ha have some extra provisions, but it was temporary, and that did not go back into effect. Our focus on this edition is the career realities to older workers and COVID-19. Our guest, Richard Eisenberg, Christopher Farrell, and Amy Goyer will share additional perspectives on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get vaccinated for yourself and your family's health. Mask up and keep your distance when going out. And we do appreciate you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.